Welcome to The Maker and The Merchant with Fergus Elias and Lee Isaacs. So, Ferg, how you doing? Ferg? Ferg. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, I'm, as you can tell... I'm here with my sonorous and melodious voice. <laughs> as you can tell, dear listener, that uh, we haven't got Ferg with us this week. We have got Darth Vader. Uh, who's come to talk all about the Death Star. Um, Ferg is apparently busy, in inverted commas. Um, I don't know what on earth a winemaker would be busy with at this time of year, other than coming up with excuses to not appear on Le Pod. Uh, there's, there's an imposter on Balfour at Hush Heath uh, Instagram, a bloke who kind of looks a bit like Ferg, but more bearded and even more tired than usual, uh, and, and with even less... On the top of his head, and he's running around talking about tonnage and pressing or something. I, but I, I don't know what's happened to the real book. Um, but as I'm looking at my screen, my first thought was normally the gag is, oh dear, Ferg's let himself go. Well, on this occasion, it's the opposite. Ferg has really sorted himself out. I'm looking at a ridiculously handsome and talented individual, although he does look like he's been hit in the head with the corner of an iron, so we'll ask him about that. Um, I was going to say, lady and gentlemen, lady, dear listener, it's my absolute pleasure to introduce again, friend of the pod, Mr. Mike Boyne. Oh, so, well, thank you for having me. I, I feel like a, a pale imitation of uh, of the Ferg, uh, I, uh, but I'm, I'm honoured to be invited to tempor- temporarily and in- inadequately fill his spot. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I am going to try and be a bit more Ferg if I if I can, just so don't disappoint your one remaining listener because I think I'm the second listener normally. But uh, but yeah, apologies in advance, everyone. I, I think hashtag be more Ferg. I think that's a WWFD. We could have little bracelets, can't we? What would Ferg do? Well, exactly, but I don't think we can call him Ferg anymore because you uh, <laughs> you refer to his Instagram updates. <laughs> Did you, I don't know if you saw his last Harvest update, but someone had put on also captions, and I knew it was going to be back end. I mean, they're always informative, always always nice yeah, to yeah, see yeah, yeah. Ferg in his happy place. Uh, always always interesting and informative, but it kicked off with the auto caption saying Berg's latest update. And I thought that's it. He is. He is now. The Berg, you know, kind of, what you what you see is only is only on the surface. You're hidden <laughs> So we've just seen the tip of Berg. Um, he's got he's got um a lot to answer for for that Titanic debacle. What he was playing at, I don't know. I said, don't go swimming. It's too cold, and you're far too big, and they won't see you until it's too late. Despite your heft, and and then it sh- and then it sank. <laughs> a bit like the reputation of this pod after having me on. <laughs> you can only raise. We don't have a reputation, so you can only create one. Even if it's a bad one, we'll we'll, we'll take that. What I did, what right. I did enjoy, as per you know, you and I had um, some WhatsApp messaging uh, where you said you're a pale imitation of Ferg. I suggested that nobody is paler than Ferg because he's a vampire. To which we created the name Nosfergatu, uh, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, I, no, it was. I, mean, honestly, I don't think Ferg agreed. Honestly, we were funny. I mean, we were great. But yeah, no. Um, uh, if uh, if there is anyone listening and you've not seen the uh, Harvest updates from Balfour, they're well worth watching. But look for that one in particular because the the, the Berg was just an indication of what was to follow, and uh, and it was just laden with all manner of dub- double entendres to the extent where they even tempted out the Brad from Night Timber. You know, the nicest <laughs> you're ever going to meet. Yeah, stereotypical. 
Canadian condensed into its nicest form. <laughs> him out to start taking the piss and make some comments. <laughs> it's uh, it's I've got it on a continual loop. Well worth. I like I like it when you st- when you when you're near Brad Greatrix because you just feel better being the same. Ri- I mean, I'm not fit to be in the same room as him, but it has happened. He wasn't aware of it because if he was, he would have left the room immediately. But like when you're in his when you're in his presence, you sort of like. Is it that I behold in front of me purest Canadian? It's just, it's just, it's it's glorious. There's, and there's a glow. There is a glow. It's there. Like bioluminescence, I guess. I don't know. I don't think I could handle being in the same physical space as him. But uh, we, he's he's good enough to, um, yeah, chat from time to time uh, on on Twitter or, or even by direct message. You now I've had direct chats with him. And you're right. You do feel you know calmer. It, it's like you've been. Yeah, touched by the yeah, touched by the. It's divine. the divine. It's the divine, yeah. isn't it? Well, actually, that's so. That that's keyed this up nicely. So the, the first thing he said there was these these harvest videos, these daily updates from Balthor uh, at Hushy featuring the Berg. Um, a, a, because there's such a great insight into what goes on in a commercial winery at this time of year, and however long you've been in wine, there's always something to learn. It's one of the things I love about you know, working in this industry, I learned something new every single day, quite a lot about decency, actually. But, you know, I'm northern and working class, so I didn't possess that naturally. But these videos are great. They give, they give you great insight, show you what's going on, you know, just how hard work it is. But, you know, Ferg's excuse for not being on the pod today is he's busy because he's, uh, you know, he's a winemaker. But um, my dear co-host, Mike Boyne, is also busy because he's a winemaker, yet he's got the time to be on this pod. So well. I just wonder, you know, where... The Berg's loyalties lie, but anyway, your winemaker, England's smallest commercial winery, is that correct? Well, uh, put a put a asterisk, probably. <laughs> I think I think so. Uh, if, some, if someone's got um, a smaller winery and uh, a smaller vineyard and uh, a sm- smaller commercial output, then I will I will happily give up the title. But I think it might be. I, I think yours must be. Um, you've also been posting some regular videos, updates about what's going on. Uh, t- t- how's it been for you? How's this vintage look? Because there's been questions over, you know, amount of fruit, quality fruit, and it's it's been very up and down vintage. How's that looked? And how's it been getting the fruit in? Tell, tell us what you've been going through. Well, um, I, I, I shall. But following following the trademark diversionary sort of all over the place um, vibe <laughs> of the Merck and the Merch and the Matrix, I, I meant to say... Um, Yesterday was actually uh, World Mental Health Day, and uh, one of my efforts to be a bit more Ferg is to, you know, channel his uh, his uh, his presence. Is uh, a few scatter my few quite a few relevant quotes. So, um, as Plato would say, the the worst of all deceptions is self uh, deception, uh, and uh, I think that's not the quote I meant. Hang on, hang on. Where is it? Where is it? No, <laughs> that's the wrong. Uh, here we go. No, I meant to go for. Um, uh, Homo, this is a Latin quote, homo homini lupus, a man is a wolf to other men, which means we are our own worst enemy. So um, you, in your, you, you in characteristic form have talked yourself down uh, about 10 times already. I just wanted to say, mate, I can see you on screen, listeners can't. You look fantastic. You are a man transformed from uh, a matter of months ago. You're looking amazing. Uh, I, I'm not good with people being nice to me, so I'm, I'm, I, I could choose to ignore this. Um, that's strange because I'll I, I don't really talk openly about my mental health uh and you and I have, have chatted and I think I've said on the pod before um that you very kindly got in touch you, you sort of figured maybe I wasn't in the best place and just you know if a pro of nothing contacted me which is it's hugely appreciated 
actually, I'm probably in a worse state mentally than I've been for quite some time. Uh, there's, there's various things happening and uh, uh, finding it quite difficult at the minute. However, I, th I suppose I'm trying to make up for that by making myself seem vaguely presentable, which is quite easy given that most of the time I don't really seem presentable at all. Um, so, so I'll take that. I've lost a, a little bit of weight again, which because I've put some on and I've lost a little bit. Um, but your your uh, bringing up mental world mental health day yesterday, I think is vital because I think it's something we need to talk more and more about. I don't know if you, there was a video yesterday posted on Twitter and I think it was from a, a football club I don't know anything about the kick bladder at all but I think it was from Norwich football club they're like yellow and green um and it was a video about mental health and sort of spotting it and looking for it um and it's something I'm quite attuned to because obviously I've you know had issues I think we've all had issues that I do is it they say one in three people struggle with mental health yeah. no it's it's three in three people struggle yeah. with mental health um, just not never necessarily everybody realizes it, or they're just really adept at dealing with it incredibly quickly. Um, so that's not a criticism of anybody who maybe hasn't realized that's what's going on, not at all. Um, but this video floored was about two and a half minutes. I, I think it's Norwich Football Club. I'm sure if you just Google World Mental Health Day and and go on Twitter and search for it, phenomenal, um, absolutely phenomenal. Um, but what what I've just done there is spectacularly railroaded this uh, this happy cheery. Uh, podcast, no, which was absolutely no, not my intention. No, no. You, you, you said very nice things, which which is very kind of you. Um, basically, what I've done, I've woken up, I've combed my hair, and had a shave, so that that makes me look slightly presentable. Well, I um, didn't necessarily. Mean, well, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to uh, derail you there. I was just sharing a compliment because uh, I don't think we uh, I don't think we do enough of it. And genuinely, I mean, I follow you I on agree. Twitter, and we chat from time to time. And the amount of time you spend on on the road is is just I can't, I can't i can't even begin to imagine how you um how you cope with it unless you, you've alluded to it i know i know um i know you've had uh difficulties with your, your mental health of of, uh, of late and um i think uh so hence wanting to share something positive which is i think in your twitter posts and here now you do just look amazing and i think sometimes okay. yeah sometimes it's uh it, it's it's really hard isn't it and i guess as a response to um uh, mental ill health you know one technique is to control the things that we can control and uh and, and, and clearly you you kind of got a grip of um yeah uh that sounds judgmental doesn't it you got to be so careful with no careful. no uh, but, but i i know what, i know what you mean it, and it's that it's that because you quoted so i'm going to quote but i'm um dear listener i don't have to look at my quote because uh, because i don't oscar oscar wilde said most people are other people they're just a collection of other people's quotes and i am the living embodiment of that i have no personality or character of my own genuinely i quote jumble i i speak it's like that star trek episode where, where they, 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 they they meet that alien race and they only speak in like parables of their own history and no nobody knows what's going on and if paul mcbray ever listens to this which he won't do because he's he's far too busy and he's got too much class he'll be he'll be listening to that going i know exactly what you're talking about um but the, 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 there was a, a Wittgenstein quote. Ludwig Wittgenstein said, "The limits of my language are the limits of my world." And like when you took that, definitions are so important, but taking meaning is so important. So like what you just said there, Mark. I, anybody that knows you knows exactly what you meant and goes, "No, it's not judgmental at all." But the fact that you realise it is why it's not judgmental. Whereas other people go, "Yeah, we would take it that." Anyway, I've gone off on a massive tangent and railroaded what you were going to say. I apologise. I've done it again. Terrible. No, no, no. Well, the, the, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm the one who not to step. I, I think we should stick with it. But, um, but I think uh, it's uh, it's it's tough, isn't it? Because I think I think um, 
I think we've been really slow societally and men, men in particular to uh, acknowledge mental uh, ill health and be able to talk about it uh, openly. And uh, and I say I say that um, just for context. I mean, you know, yeah, my background is is military and alongside um, alongside and, and then I went to work in the health service and ambulance services and alongside the you know, winemaking, wine merchanting thing. I've st- I still work in ambulance services. And one of the kind of portfolios I lead on in the ambulance service uh, was, has been improving our response to people in mental health you know, crisis. Um, and the reason I say that is even even from the even from the context of someone with a background in the military with a, an awful lot of um, yeah, PTSD that emits from that, even someone mm-hmm. who had um, yeah, a professional involvement in mental health and dealt dealt with it, you know, kind of day in and yeah, day out for years in a professional capacity. Um, that I I only I only acknowledged and dealt with some personal PTSD that goes all the way back to my early twenties and a typical uh, um, a particular incident in the military. I only dealt with that last year when uh, mm-hmm. when a particular sort of repetitive behavioural trait of mine was pointed out, and it unfortunately involved being on the beach just zone me out and I was distant and remote my mood deteriorated on the beach and that is not good when you live in Cornwall and you're no. more to raise kids and you're on the beach a lot and it and it and it linked back it, it came out of a chance conversation with a, a friend from London Ambulance Service who uh, who had had a, an awful lot of counselling after the uh, 7th of July bombings where he was at one of the most uh, one of the more gruesome scenes on his phone mm. for some time and he spoke about the techniques that were used to kind of draw out um, the effects of his PTSD, and he uh, he just said something that I recognised about a situation that has that brings about an emotional response. And I thought, well, that's a bit like me on the beach. And I started to tell him the story of what had happened, and I and and I welled up emotionally. And it's and I realised it's the first time I've sort of spoken about it in <laughs> twenty five years. He said, "Mate, <laughs> mate, there's something there's something there yeah. that needs to be with." So so I think. Um, God, this is this is a bit. No, of a... I, I I think I think we carry on with this. I, th- I think this is. Um... So, so, so I, I think I think we're slow to uh, slow to recognise it, slow to deal with it. I suspect the wine trade is bad for it. I suspect the wine making trade, particularly at this yep. time of year, I yep. suspect is pretty bad for it. And you know, the Berg isn't with us because I know he's. He's uh, he's he's feeling the pressure a bit at the yeah at the yeah. Well, all, all, all joking aside, you know that that and and that's a very British thing as well, and it's. I don't like doing national stereotypes, but sometimes they're kind of accurate. So if you like, you look at the Dutch, they don't have that kind of humour. The Dutch don't do that. Oh, here's my friend. He's a dick. They, they just go, well, he wouldn't be my friend then. That's, <laughs> like, it just doesn't occur. That's just not in their humour, right? That, how, and that's how really they, interesting. They get by. How do they come? They must just have this wonderful raw honesty that actually makes life easier, I think. Um, emotional maturity. Uh, I know. It's, I'm not having any of that. But, um, you know, all joking aside, you know, being a winemaker... Is, is doing a job is tough, whatever job it is, even if you like it. Being a winemaker is difficult because you have a certain amount of... We, we experience an amount of pressure over 365 days. A lot of the pressure that you experience as a winemaker comes over a two-month period. So you'll have like a year's worth of pressure and stress into chefs, professional chefs, particularly particularly high-level chefs, but all chefs. Like we deal with stress over eight hours. They've got it in two hours, right? How you do that? So you know, all joking aside, Ferg, Ferg is under it. He's doing a, a tough job, and and there's there's accountability. There's a lot that can go wrong. You know, I, I, it's very unlikely to go wrong because Ferg knows exactly what he's doing. He's very talented, but there's there's that pressure. Sometimes things go wrong. You 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 can't control. But I, actually, I was going to 
He's still a massive uh, Wendy for not being here, though, isn't he? Yeah, yes. I mean, you're you're here, uh, and he's what, what's he what's he playing yeah. at? He's well, he's probably still in his crypt because it's daylight. You know, he can only come out at night, obviously. And what you do actually, it's easy to to spot Ferg approaching because you see his shadow on the wall about thirty seconds before he appears. Um, that's just come up with the image for, to advertise this episode. But I, actually, Mike, I was I was going to ask you then. I, I think we continue this conversation because it's um it's very rare that I actually. I, I very rarely talk about my own mental health and that sort of opened this up and in continuing to talk about mental health I can avoid talking about mine and talk about other people's because that's genuinely more important is the three things that are really important for, for good mental health that there are lots of things is not too much alcohol because too much alcohol is bad for mental health I think everybody knows that having a, a, a good regular sort of salary pay packet so you don't have financial because we all have financial worries um, and having good regular working hours, and you look at the wine, the drinks industry as a whole, and you go, yeah, it doesn't do those three things well. No, yeah, I don't you, think. Uh, you're absolutely right, and um, and it's why, like I say, your your routine in in particular, because uh, my my old working routine pre pandemic in in ambulance world looked a little bit like yours in terms of the travel and the time away mm-hmm. from home and the disruption, um, yeah, lack of lack of a sort of regular routine, and um, and that. And that and that's tough. And 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 when you're um, when you're doing it at the intensity you are, and as you said yourself, you, you know you you've um, been wrestling a bit with your mental health. I do I do worry for you. So I hope I do hope you're looking after yourself, mate. Because I know you always sort of laugh it uh, laugh it off and and shrug it off. Um, but I think yeah, the other the other important thing about mental health is um, is acknowledging it and being able mm-hmm. to talk about it. Because if you were if you were limping along with a uh, a, a, a broken leg, yeah, we might all take the mickey and write funny things on your cast, but it's yeah. a visible injury that that no one would feel embarrassed mm-hmm. or awkward, um, uh, you know, talking about. Whereas I think I think people do still feel um, reticence about acknowledging when they're struggling a bit more themselves. So I think one of the key challenges is is doing it, recognizing it, and yeah. um, and yeah, trying to take what steps you can with with help um, yeah. to uh, to address it. And um, the reason I commented on your um, appearance is I, I'm, I'm, you know, it could be that's just nervous stress and tension because uh, the, the last time I looked as good as you was uh, off the back end of a really messy divorce. I looked fantastic, you know, because I, I wasn't eating, wasn't looking after myself, but I looked amazing. Um, but uh, but yeah, I uh, over over the um, over the pandemic and lockdown, I got um, fat as a barrel. I stopped taking care of myself, uh, and it's been a tough couple of years over covid and, and if anything it's it's harder now this is the first time in in 10 years of sort of owning uh, a wine business down uh, down in padstow it's the first time i've been properly worried uh, it's the first time i thought mm. are we going to be all right um and uh and everything just felt a bit out of control all the circumstances are outside of outside of my control beyond making sure that what we're doing is still you know, good and we're often a great, you know, product and we're still the kind of go-to place that people would choose if they're going to have to treat themselves and blah, blah, blah. Beyond beyond making sure that the basic offer stands stands up, there's nothing I can do. Mm. So that so my my response was to get control of the things that I could. Uh, so I I lost a um, chunk of weight. I've kind of returned to the, uh, returned to the gym. And um, the, I did that principally for sort of physical reasons if I'm honest because I was full of a daily self dose of self-loathing when I got up mm-hmm. got dressed mm-hmm. uh, as yet another pair of trousers wasn't you know, mm-hmm. um 
and it, and the self-loathing got to the point where I just had to yeah do something. So I kind of um, stopped eating lunch and then returned to the gym. Um, but what I what I hadn't anticipated was that the the key benefit of the gym has been that there are three periods in the week now, three hour and a half sessions where they're just for me and uh, and I, I zone out, can't focus on anything else other than you know moving moving the weight properly. And it just empties my head of all the other control, all the other worries and concerns. And I'm in control for for those three one and a half hour sessions with with no responsibility for anyone else, no worry about you know um, maintaining people's pay, looking after the family, any of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and the, that's been the biggest benefit for me. Just you know, three one and a half hour sessions for myself where I feel in control, where there's a measurable kind of improvement each week, even if it's only lifting the weight, you know, one more time. So that that for me has been game changer mental health wise. Doing something to improve the sort of physical well being, and it's just had a, a better impact on my on my head. Um, mm-hmm. How how did that feel when you? Because again, I, I think this affects all of us. I think it, it's perhaps a very male thing. And again, I'm reticent about saying that because I, I, I don't want that to sound judgmental. I can only speak from the perspective of a male because that's what I am. Um, and maybe it's not just a male thing. And, and if it isn't, I, 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 I'm not saying it is, but that's my impression of it. Um, and I, I'd love for somebody to say, actually, no, it isn't. It, it affects women as well, and it affects everyone. It, it probably does. Is that, how did it feel when you kind of said, I need to take time for me that isn't about my family, that isn't about my business, isn't about my employees? What was that transition like? Because it, it, it's quite a big transition, that. Well, I mean, first thing I, I would say, it does affect women. I don't think Mary would mind me saying this i mean she's um she's had uh after giving birth to our uh first child yeah harry she uh had postnatal depression uh which we didn't recognize for what it was at the mm-hmm. time and went you know went it went untreated along you know for a long time um and then she did eventually get some uh you know treatment uh for it and it's been a game changer she she um uh, mary is incredible she's uh she i mean yeah I will, of course, say far too good for me. She really, really is uh, on every level, you know, uh, in terms of physical appearance and just her quality as a human being. But she, you know, she um, she got uh, referred to cognitive behavioural therapy, mm-hmm. and that was a game changer for her. It gave her a kind of toolkit to manage her uh, anxiety, and she still uses that toolkit now. So I think another mm-hmm. part of mental health is just accepting that. Um, I had this conversation with another friend recently who I think is is suffering a bit of mental ill health and is just being a bit reticent to acknowledge it. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't go away. You you, you mm. treat it and you manage it, but it's uh, it's always it's always there. It's like a kind of yeah chronic condition that you manage rather than mm. a broken leg. Mm. Um, so yeah, it does it does affect yeah women. Um, and in terms of managing the transition, I mean, uh, just incredibly supportive from. Yeah, Mary really sort of giving me the permission to do it. I mm-hmm. I don't take time for myself easily. Mm-hmm. I don't spend money on myself easily. Yeah, or all those sorts of things. So um, uh, so Mary found a way to walk the careful line where she wasn't encouraging me to the point where I was resentful because what do you mean I need to go to the gym? Um, yeah. When when I because she tried that before and and because I'm a massive sulky teenager, it just set me back months from and yeah. Yeah, from the germ of an intention to do something about it, she'd make a comment. Uh, so I'll just put another stone on. Um, <laughs> so she found a way to walk that tightrope. But yeah, she just kind of gave me permission to do it, gave me encouragement to uh, 
to do it. And 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 finally, in the end, I think I just made the calculation that I don't want to sound like a martyr here, but mm, every yeah. every other hour that I'm awake, pretty much, is is to some extent uh, in service to somebody else, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't mind. So it just felt like taking taking four and a half hours in a in a week where it's just for me. And then I think I rationalised it by saying it's not entirely selfish. I'm much more physically able to yeah. do stuff now. Uh, and with two energetic you know, boys in the house, I'm much more physically able to do the sort of stuff that they like without saying, oh, no, I'm a bit tired at the moment. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so that was it, really. Just in the end, recognising that I needed to, and it was probably going to be better for everyone else around me because it was good for good for my health and good for my longevity and uh good for my headspace as well which makes me easier to be around which yeah. as you can imagine is not always easy uh, no i don't think anybody's easy to be around all the time um i think anybody that knows you will go no you're, you're really easy to be around because you're, you're fun you're cool you, you know you're, you're interesting you're smart um i'm yeah. sorry i forgot i'm talking to you not ferg it's, it's sorry no. um the uh, interesting thing that, that you said there when you know when you were, you were trying to address the facts of the situation and then you said i don't want to be a martyr to it where do you think because i because i feel like that sometimes if i if i stand there and go I'm, I'm always doing something for somebody else and i don't mind like that i accept that when you're a husband and a father that's what life is right that I, I live my life for other people now and that's really important and i accept that and actually that's a really special position in in like you know how privileged a position to be in life that, that there are people who who do need you and, and rely on you whether that's you know mentally emotionally financially or, or any of those or just you know being there as, as a presence but where do you think that because it's difficult to acknowledge that where do you think that pressure comes from is that a wider societal pressure no you have to do this and you should be happy with it or do you, or do you think it's the internal thing it's it's uh it's uh it's it's all self-generated i think isn't it and um yeah it's all self-generated uh, as plato said for a man to conquer himself is the first and noblest of victories which Indeed. is no doubt, what, no doubt what Ferg would say. Uh, well, it's, it is what Ferg would say, yeah, for yeah. sure. Ferg, it's what Ferg would say. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's also something about... Because, um, uh, as you say, I don't, I don't mind. I chose this I chose this. Yeah, life, oh. and I chose to employ people. I chose to have kids, and I and I love it. I, I love... I love um, yeah, looking after people. I, I like it. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. life is in sort of service or care of, of some description. But I think I recognised, um, and it links back actually. If we do want to talk about the winemaking, um, mm. it, it, the the benefit of the you know, winemaking was that, frankly, I'm a better person if if I've got something that's my own as well, yeah. um, as well as it making me, um, you know, uh, happier and giving me something that is a diversion, um, mm-hmm. acting as a veneer in, in place of where a personality and character uh, should be. It it it, uh, it might make me a moderately more interesting person to be around if I've got something going on in my life that my family yeah. don't yeah aren't already yeah. Im- implicitly part of. So um so so yeah so I think I think the benefits have been more than yeah personal um you know that's the whole family's been really supportive about the gym thing. Mm-hmm. You know, happy my eldest has started showing interest now. He started going Brilliant. to yeah uh, junior gym um and uh, and is asking me for kind of you know workout. Uh, workout tips which is kind of nice um mary also go she's she's seen some of the sort of benefits um that i've had from having a a once a week personal trainer session um Mm -hmm. she's now going to the gym and has a a weekly pt session there's something i think the persuader for mary that 
um, force out me, get over the line, is after a certain age, your bone density starts to deteriorate alarmingly rapidly and lifting <laughs> weights can you know, put that off. And you know, I haven't seen my dad who's um, uh, in his, you know, getting on, well, he's in his late 80s now and he's very, very fragile. Mm-hmm. You know, anything, anything I can do to you know, put that off, given I have kids. Off. Yeah, I had kids late, so yeah. um, I'd like to be in good shape for you know grandkids. Grandkids should they come? So yeah, yeah so I think I think um, I think um, I, I'm, I'm waffling on, but I think I think all those sort of tangential benefits for the people around me of me being a better person to be around mm-hmm. because I'm doing some other stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, is 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 probably enough to get my headspace into a place where it's like, well, look, okay, it may be a little bit selfish taking this time. So there you go, selfish. Um, but, but other people are benefiting as well, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it's like, it's not so. If if you're doing it like all the time, then it's selfish, right? And and again, there's we're all too. I think I, I do kind I, of I, jealousy. I do kind of jealousy guard it now though, because um, um, <clears throat> I I schedule. I, I thought for for this to work for me, I've got to make the time important. I've got to set it aside, and I've got to make it a meeting in my diary, like any other meeting. Um, and and if something else crops up, I'm not immediately just going to say, "Oh yeah, I can give it up," mm-hmm. you know, which would be my sort of first instinct when it's something for for myself. So it, so I I've got those appointments in now, and unless there's something that's genuinely genuinely a time critical emergency, I just say no now when other stuff mm-hmm. crops up. And I do mm-hmm. that I do that on the family front, uh, and Mary's cool with that, and I do it on the you know work front for both businesses, and that's been quite mm-hmm. tougher actually on the wine merchant front than on the ambulance front actually i don't yeah i don't mind saying no to some of the ambulance stuff that might encroach mm-hmm. those those three periods of time i've got but i find it hard on the wine merchant front when something mm-hmm. crops up i still sometimes feel a bit awkward if if i uh if i, if I shoot to the shop for something that's cropped up and i'm, I'm in my gym kit um yeah, yeah. Straight to the gym. but everyone else is like, oh no it's great you're doing it but i'm like oh, yeah, yeah. so yeah uh, yeah but um but uh, yeah, but the um, the winemaking. I mean, you asked about the um, the vintage, which would be a really short account for me because I'm tiny. But starting starting the winemaking, which was a bit of an itch I'd had for ages, and it. Uh, but but what I hadn't realised was that it really plugged a gap in my life. You know, doing something creative, which mm. um, which isn't something I realised was a gap until until I started doing it. And, yep. uh, and again, it, it means that I potter out to my little winery, my, my kind of, yeah, um, sort of six meter by four meter, you know, man cave, um, with my motorbike and my wine tanks and you know, surfboards in it. But it's like, it's like an upscale garden shed that I pot, potter out to. And, um, and, uh, and I can zone out there and it's, it's something that's, uh, absorbing. There's, you know, there's chemistry that needs to be done with some of the kind of lab tests that I've been, taught mm-hmm. to do so i'm not sending samples off i'm doing the tests that i can do myself and that's all quite absorbing and there's always something to think about in the winery in terms of <clears throat> you know how's how's it shaping up how's it developing should I, is it time to move it into another tank you know um you know how how do i think how do i think this wine's gonna you know develop you know do i need mm-hmm. to get it out of the clay egg now and put it in steel you know is now the right time to add so2 or should i leave it a bit longer should i leave it on the leash or not leave it on the leash so um so yeah, all those things are quite sort of um, mentally absorbing, and again, you zone out uh, and you forget there are an awful lot of worries in life at the moment. Like I say, as, as I've alluded to earlier, so it's just nice to have those two sort of diversions to zone out into. And then when we get together for you know, dinner in the 
evening we've got this little ritual that we go through that we adopted uh, during um, lockdown actually when things were all a bit grim and bleak and we listened to this radio 4 show where it was it was about focusing on things you're thankful for um, yeah. and we adopted it as a bit of a ritual that we've maintained since and it felt a bit awkward and sort of quasi religious at the first, uh, first which is which is a bit uncomfortable for a devout uh, atheist uh, such as I but we we just kick off we go around the table and, and mm. say uh, you know uh, and, and then list just you know what we're thankful for that day and and what struck me was even on the bleakest of days even on the worst day that I have now there's always something uh, that even if it's only it was a really shit day and I had a colleague who also knew it was a shit day and I was able to have a chat with him and we had a good old mm. one about it I'm really thankful that I've got him I can offload to and it just forced us all into a discipline of um you know just just searching for the positives and again we started it as a you know with no real intent but we're doing it now years later and we found as a family it's been an attitudinal game yeah. changer it forces you to leave with, you know, what's been good in the day and then mm. you know, moan about something, you know, thereafter. So, yeah, so that's been, that's been a game changer. I don't know how yeah. I got there. Anyway, the no, I, 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 th- I think that, that that's um, – so I, I just totally lost my, my train of thought, but that, that's a really important thing to do is acknowledge what's good. And, and that's where I was going to go was sometimes, you know, when I've had problems with my own mental health you sort of go what have I got to worry about or, or, or what have I got to be down about or anxious about or, or whatever that issue is at, at, at that time and that actually for me actually makes my mental health worse in the sense of God, I'm feeling really like I've got, I've got you know I've got I've, I've got a wonderful family I've got a nice home I've got food on the table or you know life isn't perfect I'm not suggesting it is but Jesus there's people out there on the street they've got nothing what have I yeah, got to yeah. worry about and, it, yeah. and it, it's trying to address that. And the positive thing is really important. Actually, I had a, a couple of my, I was going to say friends. I don't really have any friends because of who I am. Um, a couple of my acquaintances do the same thing is that every night around the table are positives. And that's so vital because it can bring that mindset change, which is a really key part. Yeah. I mean, and again, I, I, people might be listening and go, oh, for God's sake, you know. Um, but but honestly, I mean, I, I'd, I'd say give it, give, give it a whirl. And once you get over the, once you get over the initial, you know, first few days of it feeling a bit, awkward and it's like oh do so do we say grace now you know once you're, <laughs> once you're past that and you relax into it apart from anything else i mean we found when 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 um and having dinner together was another i don't want to sound like little house on the prairie but moving to always have <laughs> together every night was another game changer uh, for us that our, our boys wouldn't change now they never they never asked to um you know take off and have dinner in front of the playstation or tv yeah or yeah, yeah yeah um but it um, it just changed the whole tone of those conversations. Before we started that uh, that routine, that discipline, everyone would always lead with something a bit moany about the day, or yeah. they wouldn't have anything to say. That's, oh, that's just a, just a, just human another, nature. Yeah. How how was school today? Yeah, fine. Um, whereas yeah. when you're when you know that you're not off the hook until you've found something in the day that you you know. So it, yeah, yeah I, I would I would commend it to. I, I did. I did. I did try it once at home, but I opened with a really pretty girl smiled at me on the train, and my wife wasn't impressed. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but um, going back to uh, what you were saying about you know comparing you know, your troubles to others, of course, someone's always always worse off. But our own, our own, um, our own problems and challenges are our own problems and challenges, and they're not they're not any less valid because there are people who are in more unfortunate mm-hmm. circumstances than us. And I, I absolutely get and recognise that um, 
comparison tendency that you're you're referring to there but I, th- I think you need to let yourself off the hook with that it's 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 tough but our own problems are our own problems and 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 you know kind of mental mental health you know anxiety and depression it's it's a merciless beast it mm. it 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 get you it, it, that, it, that get black you. dog is yeah. savage isn't it? it 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 is it is and and so um yeah it uh it, it doesn't respect it doesn't respect those sort of um yeah comparisons it doesn't matter how um doesn't matter how you know privileged your your life might um might mm. look to the outward observer and sometimes there is just no rhyme or or reason to it you just, you just yeah. have to accept that it that you know that it, it is, it, it, it is. And, 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 and that's that's why i say i mean just from our own experience of it in the house um you know both you know mary's and to, to a lesser extent mine and i i I don't mean that to sort of do that bloke you're singing down playing it. It's just no, that, you know, no. um, you know, Mary, Mary, us having dealt with it already with Mary in the house just made made it easier for me because mm-hmm. once I identified that shit, I've got this thing, it just made the roadmap for yeah. dealing with it much much easier. So, but so I do think I do think the trick is just recognizing that you can't necessarily deal with it on your own in the same way that you wouldn't deal with a cancer diagnosis on mm-hmm. your own. You wouldn't, you wouldn't mm-hmm. expect a bit of shrug it off and oh, that cancer's. That cancer still here. That cancer is really bothering me today. Um, so e- even if we think, even if we think we're undeserving because actually our life is so privileged, and I should, you know, I should just better shrug yes. it off. You know, it mustn't be stupid. Yeah, sometimes we just need a little bit of help. Um, that might that might mean a little bit of medication to take the edge off it and stop the anxiety getting to a point where it's a spiral that you can't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, that gives you a bit of space then to deploy some psychological tools to deal with it which is like i say you know uh, it won't be the answer for everyone but you know um cognitive behavior therapy was the game changer for mary and i i've borrowed some of those uh tricks as as well you know the one the one we deploy a lot is when things seem a bit bleak is uh, and I'll, I'll get it all horribly wrong now there'll be cbt specialists and oh you're butchering our trade <laughs> but it basically revolves around um when you start worrying about something you immediately think, okay, well, what's the worst that could possibly happen? And mm. and almost invariably, the the worst that could possibly happen isn't as bad as the psychological spiral yeah. that you've tried to go into. So if mm-hmm. you imagine the worst that could possibly happen and how you would deal with that if that worst thing did happen, it just stops the spiral. And that and that's yeah. what I mean just about the sort of toolkit approach for helping mm-hmm. manage it. But medication, um, well, in our household, the experience was that medication just did enough not not to zone you out but it just sort of um just took the edge edge so that yeah. you can manage it so uh so so i'd say that sometimes people are slow to acknowledge that it, it just won't go away it won't cure itself mm-hmm. and that you know seeking a bit of help is um is the right thing to do not it's, not just for yourself but for everyone around you yeah it's uh, i'm gonna do that thing. I'm, i always say the worst vice is advice and I'm, I'm good at giving it and not good at following it um but to you know, we always joke about we've only got one listener. Anybody that is listening to this, uh, if they've got, you know, challenges with mental health, however small they perceive them to be, or however big, is yeah, talk to somebody, seek help. Um, my DMs are always, I'll, I'll listen to anyone. If I can help anyone, I'll help anyone. Um, and obviously we've got Mind, the mental health charity. We've got the Samaritans, the NHS has great resources. So do uh, reach out and and you know and speak and and to quote aurelius uh marcus aurelius as in the the real marcus aurelius not the one that was in the in the film 
uh, played by Richard Harris, but the real Marcus Aurelius said, man suffers more in imagination than in reality, um, which goes back to, to what you said. Now, I'm going to go off on a massive tangent here. Um, cause I'm well, not as, gonna, uh, as, as Aristotle said. Uh, <laughs> Eureka, I think he are, said, didn't he? <laughs> we, uh, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellent, then, is not an act, but a habit. <laughs> Very good. Very good quotage. I, yeah, I have yeah, been for I the am, first. I am, I am standing in for the bird. <laughs> for the first time, I've been outquoted. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off on a tangent just because you kind of brought up religion and, and atheism, and I, I too am an atheist. But um, most anybody that knows me is probably aware of this. I, I have a, a quite a rich Jewish heritage, um, of, of which I'm I'm quite proud um, because there's a wonderful history, cultural history there, aside from the, the religious beliefs and all of that. Um, and I was at a, a funeral in Ireland, so it was a, obviously a Catholic funeral, um, and I gave uh, a eulogy, and I was on the front row of seats with, with the family of the deceased, and it came to time to take Mass. Now, I am a committed atheist. I've got, I don't have a lot of strong opinions on many things, but I, I do have quite strong opinions on religion, but they're my opinions for me, so I'm not going to broadcast them because they're, they're kind of irrelevant. But I am respectful. If I'm in somebody else's house, I will respect their right to hold their beliefs so it comes time to take mass everybody stands up i said well you know jewish heritage i'm an atheist i'll i'll sit down and the uh the brother of the deceased the deceased in the church went what the fuck are you doing I'm like, well i'm i'm not i'm, I'm, I'm not catholic came but I'm, I'm not confirmed i'm technically i'm jewish he's like ah it doesn't fucking matter Get him. what do you do is you put your right hand or your left and then just take the wafer and have a little you like your wine anyway just have a wee glass of wine it's like huh what so i get up take the wafer and the wine I'm like I'm going to walk out of this church and get struck down in flames <laughs> fortunately God must have taken a day off he didn't spot I've walked out like I'm cowering it's like he can see every he's, omni, he's omnipotent omnipresent right I, he's going to spot me. didn't we got to we, we, so we drove to shouldn't laugh for him his funeral should you we drove to the um to the the burial site to the graveyard and and they asked would I join them as a bearer and I said well you know that's a great honor that's the last thing you can do for someone, isn't it? It's a huge, huge honour to be a bearer. I've done it far too many times, heavily. But but it, this was weird because every other time I've been a bearer, we've carried the casket on our shoulders. On this occasion, we carried the casket sort of by the handle, which I've never seen or never done before. So we're carrying him, and somebody told a joke. I can't remember. It might have been about the deceased. It might have been a random I can't remember. That was hilarious, and we dropped, we dropped the <laughs> dropped it. I'm like, this is terrible. I'm definitely getting sure. And we basically just chucked him in the ground and went to the pub. Um, yeah. Now that's the right approach to a funeral, is that? But yeah, anyway, I, I, I'm possibly the only Jewish atheist that's ever taken mass. So um, that is the most Irish funeral uh, I've ever heard. And I, I speak, I speak as a man who uh, who lived uh, lived lived in Northern Ireland for uh, oh, four four or five years. That is the most. Yeah. Irish, Irish yeah. funeral experience it would be possible for you to have. Unless you, I trust you got drunk to the point where you couldn't even remember your own name. Well, well, seventeen pints of Guinness because so so we've landed right. We we landed in Dublin. We've driven down to Wicklow, and this was my first time meeting sort of the deceased's family. So his his brother uh, in particular. So we've we've gone straight to the mortuary. So he's lying in state, right? in the next room we've walked into the mortuary um and you know families greeting and meeting each other and i've, I've gone to to Eamon, the deceased brother and shook his hand saying you know it's really nice to meet you i'm sorry it's under such circumstances ah it's fucking too late for that i hear you like a point of guinness i'm like well um yeah but i'm 
like you, I don't worry about it. It's too late. We're, like we've just got to say a quick mass, and then we're all going to go down the late room. I'll get you pointed again. He said, "Yeah, you play the guitar, don't you?" I was like, "I don't know what you've heard, but no, I don't really play guitar." <laughs> when my son's in the band, they're playing this evening. I get you up with him, and then half later, I'm on stage, like three pints of Guinness in, playing the guitar with his band. <laughs> so anyway, the, the next day of the funeral, we go to the wake, and I'm just drinking, and it's this thing. It's like, oh, he's the English lad. He likes the Guinness, but he can't handle it. And at the, at the time, I drunk a more then than I did now. You know, I drink two pints of Guinness now. I'm out. That's it. But I'm drinking, and this Guinness keeps flying. And it's awake, so it's high energy. There's there's laughing, there's joke telling, there's dancing. It it was a party. It was a great party, right? So just keep the Guinness keeps flowing. And I sat down with Eamon and some of the other family, and for four hours, all we did was tell jokes back and forth. And most of them were Irish jokes. I thought I'll just try one. They loved it. It's just, it was because because again, it was done from such a position of respect and, and knowledge of their culture, of the Irish culture. Um, got home well, like. I don't know, three, four in the morning, uh, eventually get up, go to Eamon's for breakfast, and he's looking at me, he goes, are you feeling all right, Lee? I'm like, yeah, grand bit, you know, a little bit of a headache, but actually not not too bad. Are you sure you're all right? Yeah, fine, why? Do you know how much you drank yesterday? Like, I, I, I drank a lot, I drank a lot. I, well, I must have had maybe 10 pints of Guinness. He's like, I counted 17. What? 17 oh, yeah. pints of Guinness. Yeah. But it was, I was over like 14, 15 hours. The next week, I went to my local pub. I was two and a half pints in. I fell off my bar stool. Well, at the uh, at the risk of undoing all the good work we've done today by injecting a bit of toxic toxic masculinity masculinity into proceedings, uh, I am so proud of you. You you should immediately become you should immediately become the British ambassador to Ireland because that, that those are I, top skills, my friend. Those are top skills. Don't know how I did it. I couldn't, uh, but I wasn't counting here. I was just like that's because then it was like that. I don't drink like that, but. It, over such a long period of time, it just—I was, I was going for a piss like, like every thirty-five seconds, almost. I think, but um, yeah, yeah what, what a way, what a way to celebrate. And I and I know, and we can admit this: that the, the sense of enormous self-satisfaction that would have come with that whole exchange the next day. I see yeah. you, Lee Isaacs. Yeah, I yeah. see. I see the swagger. <laughs> yeah, I was at the time. I was, I was in my mid-twenties. I was I was quite proud of myself back then. I've got, a, I've got a mate down here that um, I go for beers with. His name's Rick. He owns a really great restaurant down here called Prawn on the Lawn. And a year or so ago, he moved quite close to me. And our local pub is a great pub called St. Q Inn. So every couple oh, of yeah. weeks, we, uh, we, we, uh, we go out for beers. And uh, and I, I've got quite high tolerance. I, I enjoy drinking with, uh, with Rick. And what I enjoy most is uh, ne- next morning, he is always ruined. And I just don't get hangover. <laughs> Apparently, it's something physiological. A scientist will tell me I'm all wrong now, but I read, read something once that sort of explained it. We, it's a, an enzyme that we've all got on our stomach that processes alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you've got the mother load of those enzymes, you just process alcohol more quickly. Yeah. And uh, I, I just must have the villages. You must have loads of them. <laughs> yeah, because uh, not not so I don't get drunk and I don't uh, I don't embarrass myself and make an idiot of myself. But the next day, I mean, if it's been a late night, I might feel a bit tired. Yeah, but I just I don't get. I, I wonder. I wonder then if for somehow you've got the enzymes that were actually I was supposed to get because I do get hangovers now, which is why actually I don't drink a lot these days for, for various reasons. But one of them is actually my tolerance is lower than it than it was. I get hangovers very easily. But what I te- it's it's much easier for me to get a hangover now. The hangover is lower grade, but yeah, it's easy to get one. And because I, I I have a medical condition with um with terrible headaches that that flares up every now and again. If I get the slightest headache, I go into this huge panic that, oh, God, they're coming back. 
So actually, yeah. I, I kind of, I, I almost have to go, I've got to stop drinking now because I don't want to get, even though I know it's a hangover, it, the fear I get of, oh, is it the cluster headaches return it? I can't do it because they flaunt, that's it, I'm out, I'm done. Yeah. That's, that's so I think you've got my enzymes. Oh, I'm sorry That's, that's that. the takeaway. Mike has Lee's enzymes. <laughs> and it feels like we strayed into being like, yeah, blokeish bloke. Yeah, I'm going bloke, to yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know, just get, uh, circling back, by the two, two angles, circling back on our, our unexpected and unplanned mental health chat. What what kind of gives me hope is when I when I look at my um, my uh, 14-year-old, nearly 15, um, yeah, Tom Tom also is nine, nearly 10, but mm-hmm. I, I see it more in Harry because he's older. But um, uh, the attitude of him and his mates at his age and their emotional intelligence and their uh, awareness of um, yeah, looking after their mental health, looking after each other. Now, don't get me wrong, they still brutally take the piss out of each other. Yeah. And, and some of the topics that they take the piss out of each other are reassuringly familiar to me. So whilst mm-hmm. they are, um, <laughs> it, whilst they are incredibly tolerant, really aware about diversity and inclusion and awesome. genuinely, genuinely feel it and mean it yeah. and they're generally accepting. Uh, when I made that observation to Harry, he said, yeah, but dad, nine out, 90% of our humour still resolves about calling each other gay. And uh, it's like, right, well, that, that, that's kind of, kind of, you know, that's what I remember. But they are just so emotionally well-adjusted, emotionally intelligent, so aware of looking after their mental health. And compared to me as a, I was going to say as a 14-year-old, compared to me as a 40-year-old, um, they they are just so much more level and sorted. And if they're yeah. representative of the next generation coming through, I really hope that we can push all this kind of, you know, bollocks that's coming from, um, um, yeah, that, that's coming from kind of populist right-wing, you know, yeah. rhetoric in the country. Yeah. I hope we can push through that bollocks and consign it to history yeah. and, um, and not shy away from, you know, uh, you know wokeism uh, mm-hmm. and embrace it and say, yeah, do you know what? Do you know what? Yeah, next generation... Yeah, coming through are are better better humans than we were. Yeah, yeah. Age, and that's what we should all hope for. So, so I've got that. That gives me hope. And then the other thing, looping back to <laughs> looping back to winemaking. You asked about harvester. I won't say much about harvest at Howland Grappa, um, which is Cornish for sun and grape. Um, mm-hmm. I won't say much about, uh, other than harvesters. You know, gone well. Everything's um, everything's tucked up. My my ferments are all dry. Everything's looking in good shape, and I'm enjoying it enormously. But what what I just wanted to say was that's only possible really just because the english winemaking community has been so warm and helpful and uh welcoming and um there, there are too many people to to list as part of that and i'm bound to forget mm-hmm. forget someone and if you know if, if i mention names and i forget someone and you're in there i really really apologize but just that the whole english winemaking community has been so helpful um in uh with people i'd never met before who would just chip in with words of advice people who made them made themselves available on you know whatsapp to answer questions i might had and that, that's how i met uh ferg i only i only mm-hmm. physically met you know ferg a couple of weeks ago at the you know the the implosion of geekiness. was it was it was it late at night and he was he, he knocked on the front door you didn't let him in did you <laughs> <laughs> He, wouldn't come he just got off. A, he just got off a boat in Whitby and travelled all the way down, hadn't he? It was weird. He wouldn't come in unless I invited him. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, Ferg, Ferg had become a mate long before I met him. You know, Tommy, Tommy Grimshaw, you know, Langham's life, oh, legend, 
both of those guys have been on the end of WhatsApp, you know, answering questions. Yeah, yeah close to the home, Trevivian Mill Vineyard. They they helped me, you know, when I was first setting up. Let me make mm-hmm. you know wine in the corner of their winery for you know no motive for them other than being helpful. Um, yeah, the guys at Camel Valley from time to time when I've got a question there, chip in. Yeah, you can always count on Bob to chip yep. in when it's teaching since doing something that is a bit daft, you know. Yeah, but you know, with helpful intent. Likewise, you know, Sam. Um, yeah, the list. Um, yeah, the list goes on. People just gen- oh, even Brad. You know, kind of had uh, conversations yep. with Brad. He's given me a few, a few uh, uh, pointers. Tony Minowski, formerly of Plumpton, now with yep. Ruffin. Yep. Yeah, by all with, with Brad's with Brad's great tricks advice. Put it in dark glass. <laughs> that's, no, that's not that's not a dig because he's full of advice it was just a cheap a cheap joke about like strike because it was easy I've to ne- make I've, but i've never heard him mention anything about light and its impact on well, light strike is fascinating uh, anyway sorry uh, i've interrupted and then, uh, and then uh, as i have started listing names and i'll finish i'll finish it off you know salvatore leone who's uh mm-hmm. he's the one this is now talk about pressure he's the winemaker at not one not two but three english wineries in the southeast he's uh oxney Auburn, and now tillingham so he's managing all three of those in concert. And alongside oh. that, he is my kind of immediate, because he used to be the winemaker at Trevibber Mill. So, became, yeah. so, uh, so he's my uh, kind of immediate WhatsApp go-to and yeah, all, always endlessly patient. He's basically alongside Nyan Gowder, uh, who's not in English wine, but you know he was the first one who hooked up with me on WhatsApp and basically taught me to make wine over WhatsApp from Bolivia. So so he's, yeah. he's the brain. Anyway, my point is, it's a really, really warm, welcoming uh, community. And they probably all don't realise it. But at a time where I did need something just to save my sanity, when the world was mm-hmm. imploding, they all, by just being there and helping me along, um, they all did me a huge service I didn't really recognise at the time. And they all mm-hmm. did it with a spirit of generosity, sharing their hard-earned uh, expertise Um we're you know, we, we, we asking nothing in return. I never encountered anybody who said I haven't got time to talk to you or, or didn't you know, didn't respond to a question. And all these people offered up there. I didn't just sort of start sending people you know, messages in an unsolicited way. They all of them sort of stepped up and made contact with, you know, help and advice. So, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you for all of them because it, it's really had a, I mean, Mary says it, you know, since I started doing it, it's just had a really sort of positive impact, you know, giving me, yep. um, uh, well, I don't know. Identity is that too much? Um, yeah, again, so or, or, or helps you unlock a part of your identity you didn't know was there. I, yeah, I think I anything creative isn't necessarily about. It's not inherently about expressing identity. It's helping you find it. That, that's why I, I read a quote when um, when Dave, David Bowie sadly passed, and obviously that affected you because he was so popular as well. He should have been. And um, somebody says, oh, you know, why are you so upset over David Bowie passing away? You didn't know him. And, it, and, and somebody said, no, I didn't know him, but he helped me know myself. And actually that that becoming a creative is, is unlocking a side of you that you didn't necessarily know was was there. Um, rather than just expressing how you feel, it's helping you unlock new aspects of, of your character. Um, I, 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 I wanted to pick up on... Um, I'm a creative. I like that. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely a creative. I mean, you, the T-shirt, I, I promised to buy a T-shirt. I've just remembered, and, uh, and I, I still haven't bought the Morbeck T-shirt. Are you, are you saying that because you're commenting on, I mean, I, I do like, and, and also I like the fact that what, what you've done there is you've done um, a Chris Evans playing Captain America thing where, yes, he's beefed himself up, but he also wore a T-shirt that was about two sizes too small to make his guns look even. I think that this is um, an audio experience, dear listener, but I can see Mike on camera, and he's got some magnificent guns. 
Oh, wow. Wow. Thank you. Um, like the size of my thigh. Well, <laughs> as, as Lee said, I've sprayed on a T-shirt today. But dear, dear, <laughs> dear, dear listener, um, um, I, I am wearing one of our new uh, our new bits of merch. We've 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 kicked off a line of um, cool T-shirt wear, cool uh, yeah, varietal themed uh, T-shirts, so that uh, you can wear it as a fashion item. Uh, so I'm wearing our. Have the, are, are the Shard Electron Shard ones for sale? The electron ones are for sale with the skull need, and bolts. I need one of those. So that's on our website, bin2.com. And as you'll see, Lee, this is Chardonnay, Queen of Grapes, and the, the 76 in the shield. As you, Oh, thanks, buddy. As you'll know, the 76 references the uh, the Judgment of Paris. Indeed. When uh, when Ferg saw me wear this, he went, oh, that's interesting. Uh, sorry, no, he went, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> is that Clone 76? Oh, I like Clone 76. Oh, that's one of my favourite clones. That's <laughs> It's judgment of Paris, mate. Judgment of Paris. Yeah, these these ones, they, they don't know the born, do they? Today, don't know. Oh, what, what was the judgment of Paris? Ah, it's nothing really. You heard of Stephen Spurrier? Oh, I, I'm familiar with him. I think, yeah, very good, very good. Uh, um, well, everybody should go and check out the merch. I because I know when I bought the bottle of Electron that I held to the camera for you a second ago, I said oh, I've got a song for you, and I have. It's. Um, obviously, at the minute, I can't play. Well, you could argue I've never been able to play the guitar, but with the current oh, state of my thumb, I, I can't play the guitar at all, which is really problematic when I'm, you know, not in a great place mentally. A guitar is such a release, and I, I really need to be able to play it right now. Anyway, I, I've on, got really a song. I'm out. I, um, this is. Um, let me introduce Greta. This is Greta. Greta Thunberg, obviously. Lee, um, Lee is Lee is holding up his thumb. <laughs> here it is. I look like I'm giving a thumbs up constantly. It's really frustrating. His thumb is heavily bandaged. What did you do to your thumb, Lee? Well, what did I do to... It is quite literally an unbelievable story, Mike. It is an unbelievable... uh, But I'm going to tell you. uh, As you know, I live in Oxfordshire, and uh, there's a lot of cliffs in Oxfordshire. People don't know this. There's a lot of very precipitous... You've got the White Cliffs of Dover, less famous are the Blue Cliffs of Oxfordshire. Uh, The Oxford Blue cliffs of Oxfordshire as well and and I was walking around by those cliffs on my own just getting a bit of you know bit of air and exercise when behind me I heard a low rumbling sound with some muffled voices and I, I turned around to see what it was as anybody would and you'll never believe it it was a runaway bus full of orphans <laughs> and it's heading straight for the it's not funny a runaway bus full of orphans isn't it? it's a deadly dangerous it's heading straight it's for nervous. this cliff it's right it's, it's heading straight for this cliff and I thought well Somebody should do something. Now, normally I would have by, by, uh, bystander syndrome and step back, but I was the only one there. I, it fell to me to step in. So I've sort of grabbed a, a, a wall and I've, with my right hand, I've grabbed the back of this bus just in time. Now, I'm not a strong man. This was, I, it was challenging, but I managed oh, to do it. I, um, I held the back of this bus and, and got the orphans off. They're fine. They've been rehomed. They're absolutely fine. Um, they actually wanted to name the orphanage after me, and I thought that's awful, isn't it? Because that implies that I'd like the existence of orphans, the Lee Isaacs orphanage. No, I don't want this to be a, what a terrible thing to name after me. Anyway, the orphans are off; they're fine, and I've let go of the butt. And you know, when you're holding something at tension and you let go, and you're, the muscle springs back, doesn't it? Not that I've got muscles, yeah. but that's how muscles work. My arm sprung back, and I didn't realise behind me there was a wild tiger nursing some cubs. And the, I, I don't think she was aggressive, but the motion scared her as it would any animal and she let out and bit my thumb wow like i said it's quite literally an unbelievable story isn't it no 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 i'm 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 i'm, I'm with you all the way you, you um 
you, you might want to have a word though, because there's there's an ugly rumor doing the rounds on uh, social media that you 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 cut it polishing a glass at the Oxford Wine Company, and yeah, you, you just that shit to bed. That's all I'm I saying. have put that shit to bed. Now the rumor isn't entirely inaccurate. I was at the Oxford Wine Company. I was hosting um, you know, I do freelance stuff as well. I've got a paid job um, and, and do freelance, and I was hosting a tasting for a Hindu. Um, I, I won't do a stag do. Never. Awful. Hindus generally are actually really good fun. What is it? Uh, wine, it wine, wine strip teas, is it, or something like that? I mean, no, I nobody mean, needs to see me is, stripping. Is that, is that why you've, uh, you know, you've worked so hard on your appearance? You are. No, looking, well, I, I am basically. I just thought, you know, what does the world need? A combination of wine tasting and the Chippendales, <laughs> which is a really dated cultural reference. Is that's one for the teenagers there. Um, pe- people are listening, going, "What the fuck's furniture got to do with wine tasting?" I don't know. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm... <laughs> Chippendale furniture. <laughs> I, I, I've never been referred to as a man of oak. You are so down with the kids. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, it's, it's right at the start of the event. They've all got a glass of uh, sparkling wine, English, English sparkling, by the way. Um, and I, I'm, I'm holding a. a, a a Riedel Venom Riesling glass, so quite a long stem. Now, I'll, I'll start with that. I am fiercely loyal to Riedel. They were the first wine glasses I discovered when I joined the trade, and I've stuck with them since. I think they're great. Love them. Everybody's got a brand loyalty somewhere. I like Riedel glasses. There we go. I can't afford them, but I like Riedel glasses. So I'm holding this glass by the stem between my thumb and forefinger, as anybody who knows how to hold a glass would. And I, I do quite a dramatic swirl. I tell the story about how I got into wine. And I, as part of this, I do an overly dramatic swirl. And I got two thirds of the way through the first swirl and the stem shattered. And it covered the audience in broken glass because the bowl flew off. And they were in fits. They thought it was a joke because why would a man throw broken glass at them? And I just said, well, fucking look at you. Um, <laughs> I've immediately got over to check it. Is anybody hurt because you've just been showered in break? They're in fits of laughter, and I'm trying to say this isn't a joke. It's not part of the act. It's not sugar glass. It's real. Gla- a couple of you wearing sandals, please lift up your feet. I don't want anybody to get hurt. He's so um, funny. And, and oh, he's hilarious. Look at a man who dresses like that. I, he must have lost a bet. It's like no, I'm just a fucking clown. Um, <laughs> I, I have once been called the Ken Dodd of wine because I can go on and on and on. And I just thought, I, do, I, I know what you're implying, but I'd rather have been called the Bruce Springsteen of wine because he goes on and on. But anyway, um, one of the members of this table looks at me and goes, oh, it's not a joke, is it? And the stem of the glass was hanging out of my thumb. Ow. So I've, I've pulled it out, which is apparently the worst thing to do. Didn't think about that. Got a paper towel, wrapped it up carried on with the tasting, you know, swept up the broken glass, carried on, did the tasting, cleaned down the room, you know, sorted out. Um, So by the time I get home, it's now six hours later. And I thought, I'll unwrap this paper towel. And I looked at my thumb and, you know, when you've wounded yourself and you go, I can probably deal with, no, I can't deal with that. I need to go to A&E because that that needs stitches. So I've gone to A&E on a Saturday night, which is a great nice. use of Saturday night, yeah, yeah. Um, which is not, not the NHS's fault. It's chronic, you know, 13 years of chronic underfunding by the Tory party. But anyway, um, I've got there. They've x-rayed it, which really confused me, but obviously because it was involved broken glass. So uh, the, 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 eventually they figured out, look, this glass has sliced your finger open, but it's pushed shards of broken glass into the top of your thumb, which now means you need an operation because we can't fix that here in this A&E. Um, so for two weeks I was on antibiotics and strong painkillers and just kept it bandaged up. 
uh, and then after that two weeks, I went into I was in full theatre. I thought I'd be in a side room, full theatre for an for <laughs> jazz hands. Oh no, it's really painful. Um, that must have made it really hard for them to operate. Yeah, what with all the yeah, but all the and you know, and then there were people applauding and singing, and then and then just stop oil came in with a load of orange powder. And it was like, you know, like protesting at a, at a show about protest. I was like, that actually, that's genius. <laughs> and it, it took four surgeons an hour to remove all the shards of broken glass, and it's um, that was two weeks. So it's four weeks ago since the incident. Two weeks ago. Um, since the operation, it's still quite pain. It's still very painful, actually, uh, and it's still very swollen. But I now have lost feeling. It's weird because I've lost feeling in the top sort of quarter of my thumb, but the rest of it's really painful. Uh, but my neighbours are thrilled because, as I said, I said, I can't play the guitar anymore. <laughs> However, I um, as a joke, I, I tagged Max Riedel and Riedel in an Instagram post and did the, you know, what have you done to me? I've been loyal to your brand for two decades. Not interested in Zalto. Look what you've done. Uh, and fair play to Max Ridley, he did reply to me and said, you know, what happened? I'm really, really sorry about this. It shouldn't happen. To which I said, look, I, I don't hold anybody responsible. It's just one of those. I'm glad I'm glad I got the, the glass that had a fracture in it and not someone in the audience. I'd rather it happened to me than one of them. Um, so he sent me, he said, what glass was it? I said, you know, a Venom Riesling. And he sent me a pair, uh, quite expensive glasses. But he sent me a pair of these glasses and a and I thought, I wish I'd lost my arm because I could have got a decanter out of this, couldn't I? <laughs> You don't look like a man who could afford a Riedel decanter. Well, funny that you say that, you know, with one arm. There we are. So um, that's... Uh... Did, 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 the two, did the two glasses come with a very carefully worded letter saying, you know, please accept <laughs> for a complete settlement of our liability? <laughs> You've got these glasses now. Fuck off. Yes, don't worry. I'm just happy to get the glasses. Don't worry. Um, but it's I can't, obviously, you know, I can't. And so after the incident happened before the operation, I drove up and down to, to Scotland twice to teach WCT level two. I'm and sure the that's what recommended, wasn't it? I, I, I think it was. They said, just get yeah. on the road and just, just yeah. get out of the county because um, yeah. you want to avoid any more wild tiger encounters. <laughs> uh, and there aren't many wild tigers in Scotland. It's too cold for them. Um, but that for, certainly the first week, I mean, I couldn't even open a bottle of wine. It's like, I thought you were supposed to be some kind of wine educator. You can't even open a bottle. You can't even hold a glass, mate. When, you are not I'm to be here, trusted. I'm here to teach you how to open wine. That was, yeah. So, so that, yeah. that was uh, that was fun. Because anyway, um, I know we're running out of time. I wanna, so I'm going to use very corporate. I'm going to circle back. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I hate myself. Well, I, I hate <laughs> you. I, I didn't have to say let's circle back for that to be true. Um you were saying about you know all these people in English wine, and, and earlier in this episode, I said, you know, I said obviously that the drinks industry isn't necessarily the best place for mental health because you know access to alcohol, irregular hours, not necessarily the, the, the best paid form of employment, and that's a very war, you know, wide nuanced conversation. The people that exist in the wine industry, by and large, are absolutely wonderful, and specifically, you were talking about English wine. The vast majority of people in English wine, whether they're winemakers you know, owners, whether they're people running English wine specialist wine shops, are phenomenal people. And that's evidenced by the fact that people in, in wine and in English wine, for absolutely no reason at all, are continually nice to me. Like, really nice, genuinely nice to me. People like you phone me up off spec and go, I've listened to your pod, you don't sound great, how are you doing? Could, could, uh, it be, uh, could it be because you're a nice chap who's been generous? No, uh, no, no, absolutely. It's nothing to, nothing to do with that. Um, He's been generous to others in the past, and people are there. No, no. But, you know, people phone me up and invite me to their 
people phone me up and invite me to their vineyards and wineries for, for again for no reason i've got it's not like they're inviting me oh you've got a lot of followers you know we, we, you're an inf- i'm not an influencer i don't have any followers they just invite me like it's full of nice people and i you've i suppose we'll, you've influenced me to be a better version of myself oh fuck off <laughs> I'm sorry. I had no other response. What the, the appropriate response is? That's a really kind and generous thing to say. But I'm, as we've established, I'm not good at people being nice to me. It's awful. I got, I got to tell you off off Sarah Abbott MW. I was, I was recently on a trip with her, which again, no, no idea how I got on this trip. But um, we were sat having lunch in the hills of Canelliano, Valdobbiadene, and and I just sort of had oh, to describe what I, what I felt about this place. And Sarah looked at me and she went, "That is," she said, "the way you've said that is 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 like it's really poetic." And I. No, stop being nice to me. I got, and she went, no, we'll be nice to you. And then um, another couple of members of the trip insisted on being continually nice to me. And they came up with the hashtag, take it, Lee, which I thought oh. was a great hashtag because it works in, in multiple ways, doesn't it? Oh, hashtag, man, take that, it, Lee. That must, that must have been torture for you. Uh, oh, it was awful. Uh, she, Sarah, uh, brilliant. So again, Sarah is someone else that um, got to know over Twitter. And she's been helpful at different times because you know, the first one I made was, orange wine in, inspired um, by sort of Georgian, Georgian winemaking and again a pale imitation of it but you know she is obviously an expert in you know, Georgian wine so um, over the years she's been kind enough to offer sort of tips and advice and you know tasted a bottle of my first one you know that I made and you know jumped on a video call to give me some you know, oh, really wow. kind, kind and useful feedback and I, I met her for the first time uh, oh god a couple of months ago just just before um it was a it was a uh, a lunch that Nyan Gowda put on actually for a few people to taste his okay. uh, latest releases from Bolivia and uh, Henry Jeffries was was there um, as well. It was just before the release of his his new book um, mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, oh Natasha oh god what's her name another female master of wine again who I've chatted to off and on but oh but, um, I know exactly who you mean I can't access her name which oh, is awful I'm but so I. Sorry I... Well, she won't be listening. What am I about? But well, no, she won't listen to this. No. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Sarah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're all lovely people. But yeah, Sarah. God, what a star she is. I mean, you know when you you know when you sort of think, oh, they seem nice on social media, and then you meet yeah. them in real life, and it's like, oh no, they're really nice. I mean, they're yeah. really yeah. warm and kind, and she's yeah. funny as well. I mean, she's yeah. uh, she's not that sort of weird, weird nice. She's she's really funny. yeah. She's just yeah. nice, yeah. funny, lovely. witty, uh, and yeah. You know, wine is. Wine is almost exclusively people like that. Not entirely, because it, you know, it's a, a big yeah. finish. But, uh, but I, I can count on one hand in you know over two decades of working in this industry, I can count on one hand people I've encountered that work within this industry where I've gone. Oh, I don't really think they're that nice a person, or, or you know, I, I might question well, certain things they've done or said. You know, ourselves everywhere, don't you? I mean, I, yeah, you do. You do. I think, think um, I think. I think wine Twitter uh, gets a bit of a bum rap sometimes. You know, people talk yeah. about wine Twitter, and normally when people say wine Twitter, it's meant negatively. Uh, yeah. But I made this observation that Sarah when we were chatting about that. When I think when people say that, what they're talking about is a, hand, a handful of um, yes. a handful of middle aged men, and it is middle aged men who yes. uh, get into arguments over fermented grape juice. And yes. It's just, Quite loud. Oh, this 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 hugely selling what this huge selling wine isn't the right shade of orange on the label. Oh, fuck off! Yeah, and, and they're, 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 it's irrelevant. No, no, fair enough. I mean, they, they can play at that argument. <laughs> it's quite entertaining to watch. I quite enjoy it. But I'm always yeah. mystified when people get a bit of a down on and say, "Oh, wine Twitter, you know, typical wine Twitter." It's not typical. No, wine no. Twitter. My my experience of typical wine Twitter is what we've been laying out. Just a a, a kind of cohort of people. Who uh, are all in all in it together in different guises, yep. but generally 
nice people, yeah, yeah. willing to be helpful, kind of mucking in. Um, they want so, to see yeah. other people's success. And that's the thing. It's they don't just want to help. They celebrate other people's success. And that is mm-hmm. is is really wonderful. I'm going to equate it. I know I know you're heavily involved in this as well. Snooker Twitter. Um, cause I know you're yeah. a huge fan of snooker. Yeah. Snooker yeah. Twitter is the same. It, it, I, I imagine any form of Twitter. Like I imagine football Twitter. I, I imagine ice cream Twitter is the same, right? Um, you, you're going to get a few people who use it as a medium to kind of make their voice a little bit louder than everybody else's, and, and part of doing that is being really super contentious and, and so on. And again, there's a nuanced conversation there. But actually, snooker Twitter, I've, I've made genuine friends that I've not met over snooker Twitter and people who, who again... I, I wasn't active on Twitter for a little while and, and several of them just dropped me messages just going, I haven't seen you here for a bit, hope everything's okay. I, I It's just, most, what we're trying to say is the world is actually mostly nice people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mostly. I mean, I mean snooker people don't have friends, but, um, but other well, than that. Well, I am living living evidence of that. I, I have acquaintances, <laughs> not friends. But there, there was something, and, and I know we sort of, we've chatted it up, about it on WhatsApp, so it's not coming out of the blue. Um, but you raised a, a really interesting point. You mentioned Henry Jeffrey's book, which is, is fabulous. Yeah, great book. I love it. But a lot of commentators on that book picked up that Henry would talk about where there's maybe consternation and disagreement in, in wine. And, it, and, it, and there is, and that's going to happen in any industry. But that's a subplot. That's not the thrust of the book. No. Uh, and, and, and as we discussed, I, I wouldn't want someone to have the impression, oh, this book is basically Dallas. No, it isn't. It, it's... It's a great history of English wine and, and telling us where English wine is currently and where it's going. It just covers yeah. the fact that, you know, some people yeah, don't come, but actually... Yeah, exactly that. There are, there are a few sort of juicy, yeah. um, juicy quotes and a bit of salacious gossip and people being Ooh. absolutely smart there. So I guess, mm. I guess people are fixated on that. I, I will say, and again, you know, need to be clear, it's no criticism. Henry's book's a great, uh, great book. Um, really, really, you know, great stuff. Mm. Um, but I, I was struck by how many people commented on... on those sort of juicier elements and it did make me feel a bit defensive for all the reasons mm. so that's not the that's not the english winemaking no. trade that i know and i no. i do wonder if um i had a bit of a chat to you know ferg about it and i do wonder if some of it is maybe you know generational which sounds like i'm mm-hmm. having a pop with the mm-hmm. um original pioneers and i'm not but yeah. I, i've just finished watching 1883 you know the kind of um the prequel to uh yellowstone yeah. and uh like had kind of gritty pioneers making a a life in the West, and I, I wonder if it's a bit like that. That in the early days of English, you know, winemaking, doing something where you're really having to kind of, yeah, graft and get established, and um, everything that kind of goes with that. Whether it, whether it did make things a bit more adversarial, I don't know. But but in in terms of what I've experienced, yeah, particularly with um, you know, n- newer newer winemakers who are you know younger winemakers who just for no particular reasons are the ones who have befriended me in my dotage mm-hmm. um um i've just found I've, I've found no hint of that whatsoever i've never had anybody who said to me well why should i why should i tell mm-hmm. you how to go about yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, this particular element of winemaking why would i why would i reveal that to you i've had i've had the opposite i've had people you know basically giving me you know let me help yeah right. yeah and, it, and in some cases coming to help so tommy you know i was really anxious about um i made my first sort of um yeah trad method you know um yeah, wine, which is yeah, you know, resting up in bottle now with um, with fruit that um, I sourced through Tommy because he, he helped out with uh, with that. And I've I've never initiated secondary uh, fermentation before, and I was really kind of anxious about getting those steps right and not screwing it up. And in the end, uh, 
he uh, he came down and um, came down and yeah did it did it with me. Brilliant, uh, and, brilliant. Uh, That's uh, Tommy. It's Tommy all over. And help me, you know, help me, help me bottle it. Make sure I got it right. And as a consequence, you know, when it came around to doing it the second time, you know, fizzy bum bum number four this time is made with secondary fermentation. It's like, yeah, fine. You know, got that. Got, got it. Nailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, 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 it's that now. It, there's a narrative here that you, you know you said earlier about your your two boys and how just they're so much more emotionally attuned to things and actually that they're really not bothered about things that maybe your my generation your generation would have got hung up on like they just don't see it they just don't care like it's, it uh, there's a freedom and as you said you know typical boyish humour is still call each other gay but they do it from from a completely different position than it would have been our two yeah, generations yeah, right and I, and I I recognise me saying that that that, that may that may get a reaction and it may it may lack the nuance that they seem to somehow manage. they capture they capture because again yeah, you, you and i have baggage over that right so even yeah, yeah, saying yeah. it here is loaded for both of us for them it yeah. isn't because they've got rid of that baggage as a generation or, or exactly. they're very close to getting rid of it. so these new you know one of the exciting things about english wine is the amount of like young people like you look at um i always come back to her zoe driver like her her journey into wine, she couldn't have been any further away from wine, right? Was wasn't a thing for her. Goes to Australia, gets some experience, comes here, gets her degree, and is now you know one of our best winemakers. She's assistant winemaker at, at the minute at Black Shot. Like her talent is phenomenal, and her presence is incredible. So you've you've not just got young people; you've got young women getting into it. Like that is so important because if you can't see it, you can't be it. And for such a long time, our industry as a whole, not just English wine but wine in general has been male dominated that's changing um for the better and that's been and i'm, I'm really sorry Mark. I, 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 like we've, we've no. just reached a very interesting point um i i unfortunately um have a meeting very soon that i from which i was unable to extricate myself so we're gonna have to pull this to a close which i don't want to do i could i could carry this conversation on um so firstly thank you for for volunteering to to reduce your street cred by doing this you've made a, a you've, you've been a really effective berg you're welcome um, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate that you you uh, are continually. Uh, I'm not looking at the camera now because this is very difficult for me to do. Um, you you are continually kind to lots and lots of people, but you are continually kind and generous towards me. And you have been on this episode, and you have been outside of this episode, um, and that means more than I'm able to articulate because I'm not particularly clever or eloquent. But thank you for that. Um, everybody, head along to bin2.com. Check out the rich range of merch. The wines that Mike is making, because they're brilliant. Uh, when my thumb is repaired, I will uh, spoil one of his wines by playing a song and singing, singing in inverted commas, some lyrics that I've written for it. Uh, it'll be dreadful, but that's, you know, you should expect that of me. Um, and I think also, given a lot of the stuff we talked about, um, mental health, anybody out there that's finding a challenge or struggling, speak up. There's loads of places to, to find help. Find help. My DMs are always open. Drop me a message. I'll listen. Uh, I, I don't have great advice, but I'll listen. Sometimes it helps. So, well, and uh, likewise, uh, uh, my my DMs are always open for those who want it. And Lee, thank you for having me. Um, Ferg, the Berg. Yeah, sorry, sorry for filling your slot. So, uh, so in ineptly, but uh, um, uh, good luck, good luck with the rest of your harvest, mate. I know it's a big one for you. And um, and Lee, I I promise you this now: if you edit out the bits where nice things have been said about you. I am going to be in the car up to Oxford, all right? And we're going to have a we're going to have a difficult conversation about it. So do not, because I've had this with you before. Do not, yes, do, you it, have. Do, do not edit out the bits where nice things are said about you, and don't edit out the bits where you say nice things about yourself either, all right? 
All right. You said, said supportively. Mm. All right. I won't. I won't. Um, Mike, thank you very much. Brilliant. Thanks. Dear listener, thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. Take Cheers. Care. Bye.